This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm trying something new today, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Every athlete on the race course carries on their shoulders a story. The story of why they chose this sport, why they registered for that race, how their training went, and how their race is going. The more I travel to the races and cheer on tried-out athletes, the more stories I get to hear. And it always amazes me how many different stories are playing out simultaneously on the same course on the same day at the same time. And I think there is a ton of value in hearing from other folks' experiences and learning from their stories. So today, we're trying something new that I'm going to call One Race, Three Stories, where we will hear three different athletes share their experience from the same race. I plan on doing this maybe just a few times a year, and today... It's an Ironman. You know, maybe next time we'll hear from some folks that did the same sprint, the same Olympic, or even the same 70.3. For this episode, I've got three finishers from the 2022 edition of Ironman Texas. Our first athlete joining us is Meg Dorito. Meg is a veterinarian from Pennsylvania. She swam collegiately at the University of Bucknell and is a trot-out ambassador as well as a member of the Betty Elite squad. Meg is now a two-time Ironman finisher, and after her 10-hour and 21-minute finish at Ironman Texas, she is now a Kona qualifier. Meg Dorito, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be here, and I can't wait to talk about all things triathlon, especially Ironman Texas, which has some pretty vibrant memories for me. Thank you. I bet. Can't wait to hear them. Next up is Tridot Ambassador Jonathan Haynes from League City, Texas. Jonathan is a Sam Houston State University graduate who is in the new home building industry with TriPoint Homes as an area sales manager. He's a three-time Ironman finisher and went 12 hours and 11 minutes at Ironman Texas, which we'll unpack in the main set today. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andrew. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm a triathlete that is with Tridot that works for TriPoint. Yep, you heard them correctly. Yep. <laughs> it's just a, just, just a tri-life you're living <laughs> there. <laughs> what can I say? Last but not least, hailing from the cowboy state of Wyoming, Tridot Ambassador Kurt Yanish. A younger version of Kurt Yanish served in the Marines after studying rangeland management at the University of Idaho and North Dakota State University. Kurt now works as a rangeland ecologist and vice president of Aster Canyon Consulting. In the Woodlands, Kurt went 15 hours and 46 minutes for his very first Ironman finish. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to represent the back of the pack. I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we'll roll through our warm-up question, settle in for our main set conversation, and then wind things down with our cooldown. Time, time to warm up. Let's get moving. In every piece of fiction, whether it's a book, TV show, or movie, every character has a name. And that name was thought up and given to them by a writer. 
Some character names seem pretty straightforward and don't necessarily merit much reaction, but other times a character is so perfectly named that you can't help but take note. You hear the name Rocky Balboa and you nod your head because, yes, that is the name for a great fictional boxer. You hear Shooter McGavin, and of course, that would be the name for the golfer villain in the movie Happy Gilmore. You hear Ricky Bobby, and absolutely, that is the perfect name for the protagonist in a piece of NASCAR fiction. Kurt, Jonathan, Meg, if you are tasked with creating the name for a fictional triathlete character, what name would you choose to convey this is definitely a triathlete? And Kurt Yanish, I'm going to go to you first on this. Well, my first choice of name was uh, taken by a, an IndyCar driver named Will Power. Um, oh, so, yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, last name Resolve and first name Sheer, Sheer Resolve. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <great>. <laughs> and, and Kurt, that feels like the name that a, that a former Marine would come up with as well. So I'd say, I'd say, yeah, you you would read that in a book, or you would you would see that on the on the big screen, and you'd be like, yep, that's a good triathlete name. Because triathletes <laughs> have to have sheer resolve. Heading over to Jonathan Haynes. Jonathan, what'd you come up with? Here? I don't know. I don't know if I can top that. Um, I came <laughs> up with a uh, trip McGee. And I think we'll probably, <laughs> I think we'll talk about the reason why later. But yeah, Trip McGee is what I came up with. Okay, so just just store that name in the back of your heads and know it's going to come back around when we hear Jonathan's story of his Iron Man Texas. I, I I love I love McGee being the last name for some right. reason. I don't know that just really that clicks for me. That's great. Um, now, now Meg, you said that you had your kids help oh. you come up with it, and and I, what a what a creative way to handle this kind of a question. Meg, what did you guys come up with in a, in a Dorito household? Well, I didn't really use what my kids told me because it, was, okay. <laughs> it wasn't very fitting. So um, yeah, we won't tell them that. So I asked Chris, my husband, um, he was very helpful. Um, so my name is Tres, um, meaning three in Spanish, and Poina, which is in Latin, it, it the word pain derives from Poina. So it's Tres Poina, three times the pain. All right. Wow. That is awesome yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of that uh and it gets it gets the, the word three in there which jonathan like you said in your in your bio i mean try we're, we're try everything try and yep. so that yep yep i mean talk, talk about loving the pain you're loving the pain three times three over times when you three commit. different sports yep, <laughs> yep like when it, you commit to this sport um i do want to go on the record saying and, and meg you are a coach john mayfield coached athlete and and when i came up with this warm-up question i i knew I just want to thank you guys all for being willing to kind of put your creative hats on for a second. Uh, because if I had given this question to John Mayfield on the <laughs> podcast, like he, he, he would have texted me and been like, what is this? What is this question? Like, <laughs> it, it would, it would not have, it would not have been his favorite one, uh, but that. you are willing to roll with it and put on your creative thinking cap. Um, I, I actually struggle with this one, but like a lot of times I come up with a warm up question and I kind of already have a, a good answer in mind. And this one, I, I did not at all. Uh, and so I thought about it and for, for some reason, there was a Disney show when I, I was a kid. Um, and I think it was at the point where I kind of outgrown the Disney channel, but my younger sister still watched it. And there was a show called the famous jet Jackson. Um, and for some reason that character jet Jackson came to mind for me. And once I had that name in my head, I could not shake it. Um, and, and so I didn't want to rip totally hundred percent off that show and say jet Jackson would be my fictional triathlete character name. So I, I'm going to keep the first name jet. You know, it conveys speed, it conveys power, it conveys you know, a sense of motion moving forward. Uh, and I'm going to pair it with the last name Boer, 
uh, as an ode <laughs> as an ode to our founder and uh, uh, my my boss Jeff Boer. And so my answer here is Jet Boer. Uh, that would be my fictional triathlete name. Again, thank you guys for kicking this question around with me. We're gonna we're gonna throw this out to all of our podcast listeners. If you listen to the podcast, make sure you are a part of the I Am Trot Out Facebook group every single Monday when our new show comes out. We throw these crazy questions out to you, our listeners, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. We've got four, what I hope are, everybody feels like these are good ideas, uh, but I, I can't wait to hear what uh, a fictional character names you guys throw in the ring. So find the post asking you, what fictional triathlon character name would you pick if put in charge of naming a fictional triathlete character. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. This show is brought to you by Precision Fuel and Hydration, who have a wide range of tools and products to help you personalize your fueling and hydration strategy so that you can perform at your best. Longtime listeners of the show will know them as Precision Hydration, but they've changed their name to reflect the fact that they've been helping athletes nail both aspects of their performance for a long time now. Everyone sweats differently, and the amount of fuel we require varies depending on factors like duration and intensity of our activity, so a one-size-fits-all approach to fueling and hydration just doesn't cut it. Head to precisionfuelandhydration.com and use their free online sweat test, and quick carb calculator to understand your fluid, electrolyte, and carbohydrate needs during training and racing. Then you can book a free one-on-one video consultation with the team to refine your hydration and fueling strategy for your upcoming race. As a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your first order of fueling and hydration products by using the code TRIDOT10 at the checkout. And once again, that's precisionfuelandhydration.com. We had so many tried out athletes and podcast listeners racing Ironman Texas that we overloaded the Ironman tracker app. Like we just totally broke it. I was adding athletes the evening before the race and the app kindly informed me that I could not add over 50 athletes to the app. I've never, ever had that happen before. I, I guess that we're just too tried out strong at this point for Ironman to handle us as a group. From all those athletes, there are certainly many that would have been a, a great fit for this episode to share their story. I chose Meg, Jonathan, and Kurt because they, they all kind of represented a, a different place in the pack. They all had very different goals and experiences from the day. And, and I know there are great opportunities for us to learn from all three of them. So let's dive into their stories from the day. Uh, and guys, l- l- let's start here. I want to hear from each of you. Why this race? How did you end up on the start line of Ironman Texas and uh, Kurt Yanish, I'll, I'll kick this over to you first. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go a little a uh, little back and say that my first marathon was when I was in Hawaii in the Marine Corps, and I ran the Honolulu Marathon. And so I'm in Hawaii, I'm running the Honolulu Marathon. I hear about Ironman, and I think, gosh, I should do that someday. Well, fast forward 26 years later, and I meet this lady on a run, and. For her 65th birthday and her retirement present to herself, she did an Ironman. Wow. And, I, and I thought to myself, man, I'm almost 50. I can, I can do it. I think this is the time I should do an Ironman. So I made a, pl- a two-year plan. I was going to uh, train up, go zero to Ironman in two years. And then they put Waco on the schedule and I couldn't resist. 
So I tried to do Waco in six months of training. Wow. And ended up DNFing Waco. Um, my net, the next one on the schedule was Texas that I could go to, and I needed to get my Ironman in before another summer wasted, wasted in my wife's terms, uh, <laughs> <laughs> training for an Ironman. <laughs> so, so Kurt, at the point that you had that desire to sign up for an Ironman, you, you were not a triathlete yet. You had not done any form of triathlon at all at that point. I had only run marathons. I could barely swim 300 yards and wow. I never owned a road bike. Wow. That's incredible. I, I didn't know that part of your story. So that's, yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> and, and those, I mean, at, at every single Ironman, like those athletes are out there and that's their, their first triathlon. And I, I always recommend people start at a shorter one and work their way up, but there are certainly people that, that do it and you are one of them. So congrats. Thank you. I did work my way through every distance getting to that first Ironman. Okay, cool. So you did get a few swim, bike and runs under your belt along the way. Yes, I did. All right. So Jonathan Haynes, for you, how did you end up on the start line of Ironman Texas? Yeah, well, uh, that's actually completely Brian McLean's fault. Uh, he's actually, uh, I actually didn't want to do this race, actually, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, you know, I did I did uh, my second Ironman in 2017. And, you know, I said, you know, I did two Ironman and, and that's good. I'm fine with that. Um, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the shorter distances and, uh, but, um, you know, he wanted to do his first Ironman. And so, um, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He's a fellow TriDot ambassador. And, uh, whenever he wanted to do his first Ironman, you know, what can I do? So I couldn't let him do it alone. So I jumped in sure. and, uh, you know, had to be a good battle buddy and help him, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we always remind each other of the, the saying iron sharpens iron. And we, we believe that to be very true. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I got in there, started training with him and, uh, the plan was to do the race together, but that didn't quite happen, but I know we'll get to that. Yep. Yeah. We will get into that. And before we even get into that, Jonathan, I will say it was really cool. So in, in the end, what we'll hear the circumstances that led to you guys doing different races, but he actually, uh, raced Ironman Texas in October of 2021. Right. You ended up doing it here in April of 2022. Um, so, so for me, just just being there as Trudot staff, it was really cool to see you Sherpa for him back in uh, October, and you followed him all over the race course. You took it, you took care of him and his family all day long while he was racing, and then fast forward to April of 2022, and there was Brian doing the same thing for you. So even though you guys didn't end up doing that race together, uh, you, both of you ended up walking through the experience with each other, and it was really cool. Uh, to see you both do that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it actually worked out perfectly. You know, it's uh, oftentimes when we do Ironman, it doesn't go as planned or sometimes it doesn't go as planned. And so, you know, you just kind of roll with it. And sometimes the outcome ends up being even better than what you anticipated. And so this is a perfect example of that. You know, he was able to be there for my race and I was able to be there for his race. And, uh, and I think it actually made it even more special. So, yep. And we'll hear more about it in just a little bit. Meg Dorito, this was your second full distance Ironman. How did you end up on the start line of Ironman Texas? <laughs> That's actually really funny because this race was actually not on my radar at all. Okay. Um, I live in Pennsylvania and the winters are super, super cold. And I knew if I signed up for an early season race, I would be months and months of training on a trainer and a treadmill. And that 
totally did not appeal to me. However, my Betty girls um, signed up for Texas 2020 and that was canceled. Um, so they deferred to 2021. And if you know me, it's not hard to convince me to sign up for something. <laughs> and I had a severe case of FOMO or fear of missing out so and not being with them. And so I signed up and that was the beginning. So and I'm happy I did. Yeah, and there were a tremendous amount of Betty uh, racers oh, yeah. racing that race. Many, you know, are coached by Coach Joe, and I've gotten to know many of them. And and there are a ton. There are a ton of yes. uh, Betty <laughs> elite athletes that are also tri-dot athletes. And it's it's a uh, kind of the. I was telling my wife when we were in Waco, and she was meeting a lot of them. She, she was like, "What what what are these? What, what's this like Betty thing?" And I was like, "It's kind of it's kind of like triathlon's number one sorority like, yeah. to be a part of." Is, is that is that fair? Yes, yes. And there was like twenty five of them there, so I just couldn't imagine not being there. So, so yeah, I trained inside all winter for it. All right. So no slight to Jonathan and Kurt. You guys had great days out there. You you, you became an Ironman. You finished an Ironman. But but Meg of my three athletes on this episode, you finished first. So I'm going to focus on your race here first you came to texas with one primary goal other than being a betty on course with bettys you came in with kona qualification or bust with that mission in mind you know did, did prepping for this race feel any different from other ironmans you've raced you know what, what was your headspace like entering the event knowing you were trying to go for a kona slot so I've only raced um, one other Ironman, which was Chattanooga in 2019. At that point, I was self-coached. Um, I had no prior experience racing a full Ironman. Um, I did all the tried out workouts to a T. If you, that's, if you know me, I do everything exactly as planned. Um, and that kind of helped me prepare for Chattanooga. I was at really low volume in all the three sports. Um, I felt very prepared for race day. Um, I did place fourth at that race um, in Chattanooga, um, but looking back, comparing to, to what I did in Texas, I was not nearly as prepared as I was at Texas. So sure. after signing up for Texas, I actually had three goals in mind. Um, I wanted a podium at Ironman Texas, and to be perfectly honest, I wanted to win. Um, second, I wanted a Kona slot. And third, I wanted to make top three overall females because I wanted to race in the pro division. So those three goals kind of fueled me all winter while I was training inside. Um, so after World 70.3 last September, um, I signed on with John Mayfield as my coach. Um, and I kind of remember our conversation going something like, hey, John, I need a coach and I need to get to Kona. So that's kind of where we kind of started. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, with John, um, I entered into this like whole new world of training. Um, I would say it was even more intense than my training as a division one collegiate swimmer. Um, wow. We discussed, John and I discussed a lot of my weaknesses, um, where I can make most of my gains. Um, so we increased my run and my bike to high volume and just me always wanting more. I remember talking to John and being like, let's increase my swim too. <laughs> so I went high volume in everything. Um, and next thing I knew what I was training 23, 24 hours a week and loving every single minute of it. Um, wow. So my mindset a few weeks before the race was, I was super anxious, super nervous. I even questioned whether I could perform at all to the best of my abilities. Um, I was worried about my inexperience and how that would come into play. 
because um, I didn't have a lot of experience racing fools. Um, but John has a way of bringing me back each time a question myself. Um, and then I felt more and more confident during race week and on race morning, I just couldn't wait to swim. And that was, that was my day. And I would, wanted to see what I could do. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't want to embarrass you, Meg, so I can absolutely cut this out of the episode if you find it to be <laughs> okay. an embarrassing fact. But I, I, I told Meg this while we were in the woodlands together. Um, Meg is so diligent about doing her workouts as prescribed that our internal uh, software engineer team, when they are testing out new features or they're, 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 they're tweaking the way certain things work, if they need to see an example of how a, a change within tryout will affect a athlete who is on top of their workouts. Meg is the account they pull up uh, to, to see how X, Y, and Z affects Meg's account because she's just so on top of it with her her daily training. And, and I will say, Meg, for, for athletes listening, I don't want people to hear, oh, I can I can change all my, my all my volumes to high and qualify for Kona. Don't do that. Um, that, that, that was a discussion that was made with, with your coach and you are somebody with the uh, ath athletic background and pedigree to, for, for your body to handle that volume. Frankly, my, my body personally cannot handle high volume on running. I will break down immediately. Um, and, and so th those are things that really worked for you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to your credit, you, you did the training and you had a great day out there. So congrats yeah. to you on that. But, Thank you. um, Meg, let's talk about your swim. You, you had a 58 minute swim, which to me is absolutely blazing fast for, for you. I know it was slower than the goal. Um, for, for some perspective though, Jocelyn McCauley, the first, the, the female pro winner, uh, overall, she went 56 minutes. So you were only two minutes behind Jocelyn there. Um, if you had raced with the 19 female pros, you would have been fifth out of the water in the entire field. So well done all around. Thank you. Uh, but, but I, I would love for you to tell our audience why your swim was so slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm not disappointed in my swim. However, okay. you know, with that being said, I could have swam faster. Um, so my goal was to swim a 55 or below. Um, and about a quarter of the way into the swim, I felt my timing chip falling off. Um, and the more and more I swam, it started to like slip up and I could feel that it was falling off. And then I started to have these terrible images of it, like floating to the bottom of the river. <laughs> so, um, so I made a game day decision and I stopped kicking. So I swam two miles without kicking. Um, so made for a really good two mile pool set. Um, my lesson learned was I'll probably, um, pin my chip from now on. So, Wow. <laughs> that's, that's amazing jonathan how does that make you feel that you swam 58 yeah. minutes without kicking that is unbelievable that's amazing fast especially with no legs thank you i just was so worried i was like oh i'm gonna lose it and then what do i tell him when i get out of the water like i don't have my chip so i was like i just need to not move my leg at all so i just stopped the question everybody wants to know is was it really falling off Yes, because I took it off in transition and had to re-put it back on. So it All was right. like, like, you know how it like wraps around while well, the bottom part was like slipping out. And like, I, I, I guess the more I kicked it, like kept slipping up and I was like, this Velcro is going to give way and I'm going to lose it. So I was so scared. So I was like, I'm just going to stop kicking and it stayed on. 
So, so Meg, after you, I mean, you, you knew you would come out uh, in, in the front pack of the swim. And that was always the plan, even not not kicking the whole way. Um, so heading out onto the bike and run, you know, what was your game plan and how did it go out there on, on the Hardy Toll Road and, and running around the canals of the woodlands? So after coming out of the swim, I really had no idea where I was. Um, all I knew is that when I was swimming, I had passed a bunch of pro women because I had a different color cap. Um, so I was like, oh, I must be doing okay um but so john was waiting for me at transition and he let me know that i was in first place uh overall and in age group um my transition was super quick super smooth um and when i ran out of the transition tent john and jeff had already pulled my bike for me so i was actually standing at the entrance to leave which was super helpful um and my game plan was just to stick to my watts on the bike for the next five hours um, that was all great until I got to the hardy toll and <laughs> <laughs> the winds kicked in and I just found myself just fighting to push through the winds. Um, I, yeah. knew, I mean, I knew I could make more gains on the way back on the tailwind. So I tried to take advantage of it. Um, and I knew I had to stick to my nutrition plan, which ended up being on point. So I was happy about that. Um, just so I could have enough energy to, to succeed in the run. And I couldn't wait to get off the bike because I thought the winds were extremely brutal. Yeah, we were. And so so for the record, uh, when Meg says that Jeff Rains and John Mayfield were in transition there to hand her her bike, uh, we were volunteering in T1 that morning. So that, that was not yeah. that was not Coach John and Jeff hopping a fence and doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, that was us volunteering in <laughs> T1 and Meg was coming. Yeah. Uh, so, but but we, we were, to, to your point, Meg, we were in transition and in transition, which is a, a pretty... It's by the it's by the canal. There's some trees around. There's some buildings around. We we were feeling the gust of wind in T1, and, and we knew that you guys out there on the bike were were had to be feeling that on the Hardy Toll Road, which is totally exposed. So uh, I can imagine your relief coming off the bike and hitting the run course. Uh, how, how did you feel at that point when you started the run, knowing okay, I'm, I'm surging for Kona, I'm surging for that podium, I've got to I've got to have a strong run. How are you feeling? So um, I I usually don't like people touching my bike, but I was never, I was so happy to give my bike to somebody else and to just start <laughs> running. Um, <laughs> but thanks to um, John and yourself, Andrew and Jeff and my Betty squad, um, when I started running, I knew exactly where my position was throughout the entire marathon. Um, I knew that I, when I started the run that I had a 10 minute lead from the second place girl. Um, it was nice. I had a pro, um, a pro man. He ran with me for a while to pace me, which was great. John had hooked me up with, he was running on a second lap, my, my first. And, and he said, what do you want to pace? And I told him. And so he stuck with me for a bit, which was really cool. And I, I believe that was pro triathlete, Elliot Bach yes. just to give him a shout out. Yes. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yes. I, I, he, he was, he was Dallas area. I don't know if he's still in the Dallas area, but I just know that name from the local Dallas. I never met him personally, but yeah. Yeah. So it was really nice that he stuck with me and um, paced me for a while. Um, so I felt really strong uh, and consistent on the first lap. Um, the second lap, it got a bit hotter and I really kind of started to fight to kind of keep the pace. Um, it wasn't until mile 20 that the second place girl caught up with me. Um, uh, I saw her and, pass. And did, did you know it? Okay. When she yes, passed you, you I knew it? saw her pass me um, and I had some choice words in my head <laughs> but 
great. Um, I did everything I could to keep pace with her. But in the end, she was just a solid runner and she ran me down. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took her until mile 20 to catch me. So, I mean, she was working hard and I give her props. Um, sure. You know, the final miles were super tough. I was really hot, really tired. Um, I remember thinking, you know, well, you've heard like this before. It's nothing new. I had been here. Um, people always refer to that hurt locker. Um, and I really tried to go there, but it's definitely something I need to work on. Um, so at that point, I knew the third place girl, she was gaining on me, but I also told myself there was no way I was letting anyone else pass me. So I kept saying my goals in my head and I just needed to check off my boxes. So I just, I picked up the pace and finished. So you crossed that finish line. And by the time I found you, you were sitting in a chair, you, you had coached Joe with you, you had coached John Mayfield standing with you. And Meg, just in a word, the scene was tense. Because we were all waiting to see if you had clinched that Kona slot. Um, you know, Kind of take us into that moment. What was going on there? So when I was coming down the finishing shoot, I saw you. I saw John, I saw Joe, and I saw Jeff. Um, and I really, I started to tear up because they were the face of the people that I care so deeply about. I mean, you guys had been with me all day and you had helped me all day. And I was just so happy to see you guys, um, you know, and, and I had worked so hard for so long and it was finally coming to an end. Um, I honestly was just, I had no idea where I was in the ranks. I, I, I thought I was at a certain place, but I didn't know. Um, and I was just, I was, I saw your faces and I was filled with gratitude and I was thankful for you guys, um, just for being there for me. Um, and I was also very thankful to sit down. I was, I was happy yeah, sure. to finally sit. Um, so John had mentioned that, um, when I was sitting that we were still waiting for that third place girl to come in. And I remember just sitting there talking with Joe and then all of a sudden John just gave me the biggest hug ever. And he said to me, you did it we're going to Kona. And I remember grabbing his arm and I remember tears coming down my face. Um, and I, and he, I just, um, he, he hugged me and he, he said that was the most painful 12 minutes of waiting. Um, apparently there was, <laughs> she was, she had started later. So we had to wait for her to come in. Um, yeah. so there, there's actually a picture you took Andrew. Um, and I think that says it all. And if you've been on my Facebook or my Instagram, um, now, you know, the story behind it. Um, but I actually did beat that girl by 47 seconds. Oh, um, yep. Yeah. It, it, it was tight. And for some context, a lot, like you said, because it's a wave start and you got in the water before her, uh, late in the run, you know, she was behind you, but she was running faster than you. And so John and Joe were doing the math all day long yes. on, on where Meg was in the field. And, and they knew with this girl running a little faster than you, that she had a chance to catch you, uh, yep. even if she finished behind you. Yep. Uh, but she didn't, you got her by 47 seconds yep. for that. Uh, and, and there were two Kona slots, correct? In your age there group? There was two Kona slots. Yeah. I actually talked to her at awards and she said, are you the girl that beat me by 47 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I was, I was happy. I had set out what I wanted to do. I made the podium. I earned my Kona slot. Um, I ended up placing fourth overall female. So I missed my pro card slot by one. Um, so that's what I'm headed to do in Iowa in a couple weeks. Next time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Next time. Yep. Can't wait to, and I believe this podcast comes out before then. So All right. uh, I'll cut this out of, I'll cut this out if I don't, but okay. <laughs> I believe it does. So people can, people can track you in Ironman Des Moines, uh, 2022 and go, go 
Root for Meg as she chases down that pro card. She's already got Kona. So moving on to Jonathan. Jonathan, you, you had a training wreck right before Ironman Texas in the fall of 2021. Um, so, so this race was delayed for you. Uh, you know, just six months prior, your fitness was there. You, you were fully trained up. You were ready to rock and roll. Um, thankfully, Ironman lets you defer to 2022. So with, with this race delayed six months for you, how fired up with you were, were you physically and mentally just to get out there and burn it to the ground? Yeah, I certainly wanted to burn it to the ground. All right. Yeah, I actually did uh, three and a half Ironman ramps for the race, um, which I think is just nuts. So but between COVID cancellations yeah. and uh, and I guess I guess uh, give everybody a little context yeah. for for yeah, the wreck you. you had yeah. in October. Yeah. So what happened was they uh, first it was COVID cancellation and then it was uh, another COVID type cancellation. Uh, with Harris County. And then uh, the last one, the third one was a bike accident. Uh, and so, uh, so basically you guys understand COVID cancellations, but the bike accident, I was two weeks away from, uh, from racing in October of uh, 21. And I was just going on an easy Z2 ride. And uh, well, it was, uh, <laughs> it was one of those stupid moments on a bike, uh, that I really don't have anybody to blame other than myself. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I wish it was a really good story. Like, you know, I wish I could blame the car, but it's really all my fault. So, uh, basically I was, uh, I grabbed the wrong brake, uh, and, uh, I grabbed my front brake. And so I sent myself over the handlebars. And, uh, and that was not a fun experience. And that, that was, that was two weeks before Ironman Texas in October of 2021. Right. So you'd done all the training, you had done your race rehearsals, you were ready to go and bike accident, um, which, which like we said, that took you out of commission instead, uh, on the day you sherpa for your buddy, Brian. And so in April it was your turn. So how, how, how ready were you to get out there and do it after just years of training and waiting for this race. I was extremely ready to do it. It was half of me wanted to get it over with. And the other half of me wanted to, uh, as we said, burn it to the ground and PR the sucker. So, uh, it was, um, so it was mixed feelings. It was, but it was, uh, I was glad to finally toe the line and, and get there. Uh, and, um, and I actually PR'd just like a couple weeks before that I PR'd my half, uh, Ironman in Galveston, uh, by like a solid, 30 minutes or so. Uh, wow. so I was pretty pumped about that. Yeah. I, I was there. You had a great race. You looked strong the entire day. Every time I saw you cruise by, you know, you, you were just in the zone, um, there you went four forty eight, So, so 12 minutes under sub five there in, in Galveston. So that had to be just a big confidence booster heading into the full and in, in the woodlands. Um, so, so between that PR, you had experience on this course in the woodlands. You, you had done Ironman Texas before, and you set for yourself a sub 11 hour finish time as the goal. And by all accounts, I mean, it, it seems like a great mark for you to shoot for. Jonathan, how did your race go? <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it didn't quite go as planned, but it, uh, it started off really good. Uh, so my swim was uh, it was a good swim. I, I got kicked, I think, like three times in the face. Uh, sure. That's yeah. right. So. Um, but, um, you know, my, it's, it's kind of weird. My, my watch actually start. It's funny, Meg, you were talking about your timing chip. My watch actually did fall off. So oh, I no. in, uh, unbuckled and, uh, and it started like floating and I don't know how I did it. I, I have no idea. Uh, I grabbed my watch in the water and, <laughs> uh, and I opened up the top of my wetsuit and I shoved it in the top of my wetsuit and, kept and just going. kept on going. Yeah. 
uh, which made for like a really interesting swim because like every 500 or so I felt it vibrate and it was right like, so like my heart it's, so I've got something vibrating on my heart so it was it was really a strange feeling but anyhow so so that happened and uh and then I had to like my goggles got knocked off so I had to flip over and fix them and uh but anyhow we already did by five minutes which I thought was oh, awesome. so, nice. so yeah so swim went good so that was that so uh then uh so Meg it's not in your head when you said like you felt like the wind was strong like that's not yeah. like in your head at all it uh, was strong the, the wind the wind was strong the wind was yeah. very strong so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I've heard different quotes on like what the miles per hour on it, but it was, we'll just stick with it was strong. 20, I think <laughs> 21, 22 sustained or something. Andrew, do you know? Yeah, what? that sounds right. We, yeah, we, we saw, we saw reports of gusts in the thirties, uh, from the weather stations. And for people who don't know the course at Ironman, Texas, that the bike course, you, you take some kind of country roads, um, so some urban roads to the highway and then you just have a, a stretch where you go up and down this toll road for 20 miles one way, 20 miles the other way, 20 miles one way, 20 miles the other way. And so uh, when you're riding, it's it's 20 miles straight into a headwind, 20 miles straight with a tailwind. You do that back and forth, back and forth, and then you head back in, in, into town. So when there is wind, uh, which again, 20 miles sustained, gusts into the 30s, that's already really windy. But then on top of that, you're out there on a, on a highway just totally exposed to it. So we, we, we knew you guys were, were definitely burning some matches out there, uh, just fighting the wind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely no way to hide from that wind. Uh, so, um, but it, the bike was going well for me. I mean, I, I uh, started to run out of nutrition, which was kind of the start of probably the downfall here. Uh, and uh, I just, I guess I missed time, the, the um, special needs. And so I started to grab for on-course nut- nutrition, uh, so to get like a, a Gatorade or something to get some electrolytes in me. And, uh, and then I grabbed like a couple bottles that <laughs> they were still <laughs> sealed, which is always fun. So like you grab a <laughs> bottle and you're like, man, the top is sealed. And you know, you're yeah. not going to be like, okay, well, well, I'm not going to at least say I'm going to pull over and let me just undo the little white top on it. So I could, so I, I just like tossed it back. I'm like, it's sealed. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I don't mean to be a jerk. I'm just frustrated. <laughs> I wanted that Gatorade. Yeah, I needed that. I needed that. So, uh, so anyhow, so I had a little bit of nutrition problem there and then I started to feel some cramps at, at mile 90. And so I knew that that okay. was going to be, uh, I knew that that had a potential ripple effect through the, through the race. Uh, so got, uh, to the dismount line and, uh, jumped off my bike and then it felt like somebody put my leg in a vice grip, like it just <laughs> oh. total lock. And so like it, it made, it made it really fun for my wife because she's standing there and I'm yelling, Ah! <laughs> and it's it's the first time she's seen you in hours yeah, yeah. right i mean i've been gone on the bike for like five you know plus hours and so the first thing that she sees me is jumping off the bike and screaming and screaming uh, <laughs> yeah. so it, uh, it, it did not feel good uh it was a big cramp and and uh and then and she's like she asked if i'm okay of course and i said yeah i'm i'm, I'm fine i'm fine it just hurts it'll go away, you know? And of course it did, you know, the pain went away. And so, uh, I, I, I was very happy as well, uh, to hand off my bike and, and go ahead and get to the, uh, changing tent. And so, so I handed off my bike and, uh, and Brian, uh, 
was there, uh, who I mentioned earlier. And he, he's like, Hey, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm cramping. And, uh, and so he, uh, he had, um, taking me over the tent real fast. I started, um, started changing into my, my run stuff. Uh, he grabbed me a, a pH 1500, you know, the salt tab. And, um, and so he grabbed me one of those. I slammed that real fast. And, uh, and then one of the other triathletes that was standing or was sitting next to me, um, he said, here, take this. And he threw something, he threw like a bottle at me. And somehow I had the wherewithal to grab it, like catch nice. it like it was no big deal like a, i felt like <laughs> yeah an action hero like he threw it at me and i'm like yes i grabbed so i grabbed it in the air and i and i popped that open real fast and i slammed it and then i then i looked to see what i just drank because i was figured that might be important <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so it was pickle juice which then i got a little worried about that because i remember the last time i had pickle juice was when i was in uh, high school cross country and I remember pickle juice equals massive throwing up. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, just roll with it, I guess. So anyhow, I, I did. So I was like, I, I'm sure it's going to be fine. So, um, so anyhow, I just threw all my stuff and got out to the run course and, uh, and it was going well, actually it wasn't going bad. The first, like, I don't know, eight miles or so wasn't bad. Uh, and then, um, and then I ran into you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I saw you, you know, pretty early on, maybe at the end of, of loop number one. Because uh, actually, so so normally at these races, you know, Coach Jeff Rains, Coach John, myself, we all find a good spot on course and, and we cheer for a while. Well, well, John was just so in his own, making sure that some athlete named Meg Dorino qualified for Kona. Uh, I, I never saw John. John was all over the course getting Meg time, time splits. Uh, so, so Jeff Rains and I, we, we set up shop right at the exit of T2. And so that way, when Trotout athletes got onto the run, they would see a, a friendly face cheering for them. Uh, and so, Jonathan, I think we saw you as you were finishing loop one, starting loop two. And, and yeah, and so I asked you how you were doing. And you already seem to recognize that, that the race wasn't going the way you wanted it to, uh, you know, so, so when in your run, did you realize that sub 11 goal just wasn't going to happen? And maybe what, what were some of the emotions and, and thoughts that you faced in that moment? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I saw you and I think the words that I said to you was change of strategy, you know? Uh, yes. Yep. That's and, right. Uh, and I, it just, it was a survival mode thing at that point. Um, they, the cramps were back with a vengeance and, uh, and they were hitting me in some strength. They were hitting me strange. I mean, it was, um, I had, had one in my side, which is not abnormal, you know, the side stitch thing. So that's not a abnormal and it's a sharp pain, but you know, you, you work your way through it. Uh, but the yeah. one that was really weird was I was getting one like around my, my ankles, or at least that's what it felt like in the race. It felt like it was cramping on my ankle and it was causing my toes to curl which is like really, really <laughs> weird. So imagine yeah. running with toes curled. So that's kind of was not working very well. And um, <laughs> needless to say, that run was not going great whenever I'm like, my toes will not just, you know, do the normal thing. So anyhow, so yeah, I saw that. I mean, I, I felt that. And, um, and so I was just like, you know what? And that's at, at some point I was like 20 miles left. I'm just going to start counting down 19 miles left. And so you get into that spot where, I mean, fortunately I've already been down this road before being my third Ironman. Um, so I knew what had to be done and I knew that I was going to go into that tough mental place that you have to go as, as an Ironman. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if anybody is able to do an Ironman and not go to that spot, 
Um, you know, I'm not sure if that's possible or not, but I knew that was the time where I was going to have to dig deep and, uh, and just battle through it. And, um, so that's, that's kind of what I was, I I knew I wasn't going to quit. That was out of the question. Uh, I just, it was just a matter of how much suffering I was going to go through before I hit the red carpet. You know, despite the cramps, you know, you kept pushing on. I saw you several more times on the run and, and it seemed like you kept moving. It seemed like you kept a good attitude, all things considered, you know, how Jonathan, did you stay motivated on that run course? And what advice would you give to other athletes that maybe find them, you know, themselves in a situation where their primary goal is slipping out of reach on race day like that? Yeah. I mean, that happens. And I think it happens to a lot of athletes that are out there and, uh, to where, you know, they set themselves up for a goal and they've done all the training and then they realize that that's their, their plan is not going to work out quite as what they anticipated. Um, I think it's important to remember why you're there. Um, you know, you've got to have that like firmly in your mind, you know, why are you doing this? Um, and, um, and so for me, I, I obviously would focus on that. And I, I, it was also a matter of, you know, I'm always cognizant of what, what I'm doing, uh, is a representation, uh, or, or a visual, uh, or a lesson for my children. And so, you know, they're on the course there. My family's on the course there. Uh, they're out there to cheer for me. Uh, being a spectator is not easy, right? So standing out in the heat, uh, waiting for that, you know, glimpse of seeing their athlete or their loved one uh, pass by them. And so, you know, I wanted to represent well. And I wanted to uh, to show them that, hey, you know, even, even when times are tough, uh, that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean that we just fold. Uh, you know, we, we have to have that mental uh, stamina to be able to kind of continue to drive through to achieve our goal. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's important to, you got to know your why more than anything. So, so Kurt, you already mentioned that you ended up on the start line of Ironman Texas as a redemption race, you know, from that DNF at Ironman Waco for, for you, it happened in the late stages of the bike course in Waco. What caused that DNF and what prompted the decision to sign up for another Ironman so soon? So in, Waco dehydration got a hold of me. Um, I didn't keep up with my hydration. It might have been the two flats that I had that took 20 to 30 minutes out where I was not hydrating. It, and that was a hot, windy day, and that is 20, 30 minutes. You were out in the sun longer than you planned. So, yeah, yeah. I absolutely. So, get it. Now, 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 Kurt, there actually was, for, for folks who weren't there, there, there were some local folks, unfortunately, who had put some tax out on the road. And there was about a, a, a half mile stretch of road to, on loop one. When I went through it, I probably passed 15, 18, 20 athletes on the side of the road fixing flats. Now the race director got out there. They actually went out there with some magnets and with magnets sucked up all the tacks that the locals will put out on the, on the road. Is that, is that where you flattered or did you flat somewhere else? No, it was the tax that got me. Okay. And then I didn't clear the tack on the first, um, uh, tube replacement and I got a second flat. Okay. So, um, but it was weird. I, when I started really dehydrating, I can look back and I see all the symptoms I missed, but I started tingling all my lower lips started tingling and then my whole body started tingling and I came up on a bridge and I, I was not sure I could keep my bike between or in on the bridge. So I pulled over, I sat down, got some shade and then I started shaking uncontrollably. I, I got chilled wow. really bad. So I knew I was, I was dehydrated. I knew I was in trouble, but it was tough to tap out that day. 
and catch an ambulance back to the start line. So my redemption in trying to get it in before my summer summer busy season happened again was to do it at Texas. Yeah, and I had met you in Waco because obviously I was there racing and I was there as Trotout staff. And so I, I had talked to you at a number of our events there in Waco and and, and admit so so I I hated to see that you DNF'd. I mean, inevitably there's always a few. Um so so I was excited to see you on the start list for Ironman Texas. I mean, that that turnaround is just six months, you know, from that DNF in Waco to the start line of Texas. I mean, that, that's certainly long enough to be physically ready to go again, but but it's not so long that Waco was a distant memory. How did you feel going into that race? Was that DNF in the back of your mind at all? Every workout. That DNF wow. was in my mind every workout. I had my Ironman Waco shirt hanging next to my bed. I saw it every morning. It kept me going all the time. Um, so, yeah, it... The the DNF was was big and it was it was a motivator and it got me to the next start line. Yep. So once you were there, we, we you know we went through all of the the kind of pre race workouts together. You were there for the, our group run. You were there for our group ride. You know we, we certainly had you on the tracker. You, you you were my number one athlete. I wanted to see finish that race after that that Waco DNF. So how, how did it go out there? Tell us about your race. So I was so excited and so happy to toe the line two days after my 50th birthday at Ironman, Texas. Nice. Very nice. And uh, so I was, I was incredibly calm at the start of the swim, which was fantastic. Um, Good, yeah. The part I hate the most. Um, I got in the water, uh, swam to the first corner, feeling great. And start the chop started making me motion sick. So I had... I had to go to the breaststroke. Now, surprisingly, the breaststroke will let you cut tangents that you don't see when you're doing the crawl stroke. Oh, (laughs) interesting. That does help. You can swim so straight in the breaststroke. And and the people in the slower, (laughs) they don't sight well. So they're all over the course. And if you're breaststroking, you can really cut some tangents and save some time that way. All right. I I got out of the water with an eight-minute PR from Waco. So that was nice. Oh, the, congrats, uh, yeah. The, and then I celebrated like I had just finished the uh, Ironman when I got out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I get on the bike, and I'm so happy to be back on the bike. And that those first 20 miles at Woodlands is so nice. There's so many people cheering you on, riding through the trees. It's just great. But then you turn onto the Hardy Toll Road, and you head south into that headwind. Yeah. And, it's it was brutal it was very brutal <laughs> yeah it is and we knew the wind was coming so i asked coach jeff rains what do i do and he said you watch your power you keep it where it was planned and you keep your rpms up so to do that i was in a very low gear and i'm just trucking along and i'm watching these people you know back in the pack with me and they're in these high gears and they're just pounding away and then inevitably you watch them blow up and you pass them back. So uh, it was great advice from coach Jeff. And uh, I did stop a couple times because my neck was bothering me. Um, okay. Got some biofreeze put on my neck, which was a lifesaver. Um, I don't know why I thought they could do that, but it was, uh, it was a great relief to get some biofreeze on my neck. And then that last 32 miles with the wind at your back going into transition is just, it's heaven. It, it is so fantastic. Um, 
got through transition and got into the run. Um, I was able to do my 11 minute mile pace that I was planned to do, uh, but I couldn't take in any fluids. I, I got nauseous every time I took a drink of something and it just kept getting worse. I saw you and Coach Reigns at uh, the beginning of lap two and I'm like, what do I do? And yeah, uh, I remember that. Jeff gave me some uh, suggestions and lap two was absolutely miserable. I was slowed to a walk. I was barely keeping a 15 minute mile walk pace. I was really forcing myself to stay at that pace. And it was, it was kind of more because of your, your gut and kind of GI more yeah. issues. It was, yeah. it wasn't an energy. It wasn't your, your lack of the legs being there, right? No, the legs were there, but I was just so nauseous and my gut was just, I don't know. I was just, I couldn't take in fluids. I was maybe starting to get dehydrated at uh, mile 17, right before an aid station, I finally threw up. And uh, one of the aid people ran over to me and goes, what do you want? And I said, I want to finish. And he goes, well, what do you need? And I, I had heard somebody say pretzels settled their stomach. So I got a couple of pretzels from them and a glass of chicken broth. And a mile later, nice. I was a brand new man. I was old again. <laughs> then do, uh, do you remember the second time you saw us on course after that? Yeah, I do. I remember it. I, I remember you running up. <laughs> yep. And, and, and Kurt, Kurt comes running up to Jeff and I. And the last time we saw you, you were struggling. You, you, you were like, I can't, I can't drink anything. I can't keep anything down. And we see you 20 miles later and you were like, guys, I threw up and I feel fantastic. <laughs> and it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to see that. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never got back to a, a full run, but I caught up to a, a lady. Um, shout out to Savannah Hirschberger. Um, we started walking sub fourteen minute miles and uh, got every got both of us across the line together. It was fantastic. Wait, when you got to that mile ninety ish marker, were you a DNF in Waco? What what went through your head knowing? Okay, I'm I'm now farther than I was in Waco. I was counting down the miles to, to that mile 93. And it was fantastic that the wind was at our back at mile 90. Yeah. So I could really celebrate when I went across that mile marker. Um, and I felt great. I was, I really felt great. I knew I was going to finish the bike that day. So I celebrated finishing the swim. Like I had just finished the Ironman. I celebrated the, uh, uh, T2 getting off the bike uh, like I had just finished the Ironman and um, and then finishing <laughs> was just it was such a set uh, it was such a relief it was just that was the biggest thing I was hoping for you know more fireworks and more excitement <laughs> I was just so relieved I was excited uh, don't get me yeah. wrong uh, but yeah it was it was such a big relief to to make it and it was so fun to hear um, my name called, Kurt Janus, you are an Iron Man. Uh, it was it's amazing. So, so Kurt, what did you do differently in the Woodlands that led to that successful finish that you didn't quite get in Waco? I mean, what were some of the things you learned in between those two races? So uh, I changed my fuel strategy and I, I uh, had a lot more fluids going in for the race. And like uh, John Mayfield says, you know, you need to drink like it's your job during the Ironman. 
And then I don't remember who said that you got to drink to thirst as well. And anytime I was thirsty, I drank extra, you know, so I drank far, far beyond my hydration strategy for that day. And okay. uh, I think that led to my, it might've led to my GI distress by over drinking, but uh, <laughs> I, was, I was there to finish. I just want to say just a big thanks to all three of you, you know, for coming on, for sharing your stories and your emotions from the day uh, there in the woodlands. You know, I hope folks really enjoyed this conversation today. I know I sure have. To close down the main set here, I want to hear what the TriDot Encore support meant to each of you. You know, we had a lot of TriDotters out there racing. Like, like I said, I broke the app trying to put everybody uh, in the app that was a TriDot athlete that was racing. I saw a lot of TriDot hats and visors and kits. I mean, often on people that I didn't even recognize. And I'm like, who are you? I want to meet you. Uh, you know, we, we, we had TriDot staff out there cheering, TriDot ambassadors volunteering all over the course. So, so what difference did it make? for you just to have so much support out there. And Meg, I'll start with you. Um, so the tryout support, it meant a world of difference for me. Um, there was always a familiar face or even if I didn't know them, you know, the, the shirts, the hats, the visors around like every corner, every turn, every bend of the course. And I never felt like I was alone. I always felt like there was, there was somebody there cheering me on or giving me insight or just there. And, and it really helped me. And I, I really love my tryout family. Um, I, 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 I feel blessed, you know, to have them all on course. Um, I, I just couldn't do it without them. Um, and I do have to give a shout out to John. Um, he is an outstanding coach and he's also a wonderful friend. Um, he's transformed me in so many ways and I just wouldn't be where I am today without him. So thanks, John. Jonathan Haynes, what, what did the encore support in the tribe family mean to you on race day out there? Yeah, it was like being in the cool kids club. You know, I mean, there were so many tri daughters out there. It was it was unbelievable, uh, and um, you know, I think that maybe in the in the shorter course triathlons, I mean, it's great to have the spectators, but I think in the longer course stuff with Ironman, it makes such a huge impact on you as an athlete. That you know, the little encouragement, even if it's a five second, you know, good job, you got it, is like a huge asset. And, uh, and it's just, it can't be, it can't be said enough, uh, how much encouragement you get from that and having somebody from your own training group, um, it, it just saying, Hey, you got this is, uh, is, is a great, great thing to help kind of motivate you and keep on pushing you towards, towards your goal. So it was awesome. Yeah. And, and Meg, Meg races in a Betty designs kit and a TriDot visor, Jonathan, you were racing in the brand new bright red tri-dot kit and i love that kit because it's so easy to spot our tri-dotters on course when they're wearing uh that that new bright red kit the same one i was wearing in waco uh and then kurt you were in a a fluorescent yellow uh bright kit so you were very easy to spot as well as soon as i learned what you were wearing uh kurt for, for you being out there you know you you were a part of the tri-dot family we knew you we recognized you we saw you we cheered for you what did that tri-dot encore support mean for you uh, it was a shot of adrenaline or dopamine every time I saw another person with TriDot on. It was fantastic. Um, I was cheering on everybody that I passed with TriDot or everybody that was passing me. I was like, yo, go TriDot. It was, it was just a boost every time. And then on the run course, it was fantastic. You know, TriDot people, you know, hiding behind trees or something. They were everywhere. <laughs> was, you know, it was great. Um, 
I loved it. Uh, and then shout out to Shannon Cranson. Um, she was a s special support on the course for me. Uh, she had me jumping up and down at the, uh, at transit T2, um, just like I had finished the, uh, Ironman, like I said earlier. Um, but it was great. I couldn't ask for anything better, um, to help me get through such a tough day. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. We've heard a lot of great Ironman Texas stories on the show today. Compliments of Meg and Jonathan and Kurt. So shout out to them. I'm going to claim the cool down today for myself. Uh, I'm going to share just a story from that same race day, Ironman Texas 2022 in, uh, in April, and just share a, a story that I saw uh, out there on the course. You know, when you're spectating an Ironman, uh, you see a lot of things. You see a lot of athletes go by. And uh, I saw Meg, Jonathan, and Kurt all go by several times. Uh, but late into the day, uh, as Jeff Rains and I were standing there cheering for athletes going by, uh, th th this guy runs by, he's racing, he's, he's doing his Ironman shuffle, uh, he heading by us. And right when he gets by Jeff Rains and I, um, he just falls over to the ground, uh, leg muscles just immediately cramping. He, he screams in agony. Uh, and you could tell his, his calves were cramping. Uh, and it was like every time he reached down towards his calf to try to alleviate that cramp, then his back would start cramping. And so it was kind of like he was, he was doing this back and forth game where he was trying to grab his leg, but he was also trying to grab his back because so many muscle groups at the same time were starting to cramp. Uh, so, so Jeff Rains and I immediately sprang into action. Uh, I went over to the guy and helped get him to the side of the race course. Uh, as he was battling those cramps, Jeff Rains uh, ran up the course a little bit where we were standing. There wasn't a lot of spectators around. Uh, so Jeff took off on, on a jog trying to find um, somebody from Ironman. Ironman has medics around on the course. And so Jeff went to go find a medic. Um, a, a second, or, or I guess a third spectator that was standing there by us also came over. And so while I was trying to stretch out the guy's calves and get his calf cramps to to ease up, uh, this other spectator comes over and starts talking to the guy. What, you know, what do you need? When was the last time you had water? When was the last time you had a gel? Uh, and that spectator, thankfully, I didn't have anything on me, but that spectator had some salt on him. That spectator had a couple goo gels on him. And so got some salt into the athlete, got some water into the athlete, got some goo into that athlete. Uh, and I remember thinking, I mean, th this guy was on a second, you know, maybe third lap, still had a lot of miles left to cover. I'm like, man, I don't know if this guy's going to finish. His cramps here were just so severe. And I, I don't know if he had just overcooked it on the bike. I don't know if he had undertrained. I don't know if he didn't have enough salt in him or just didn't have enough calories in him, but, but he clearly was in a bad place fighting some cramps with a lot of miles to go. So I, I thought the guy was done. I thought his day was over. I'm like, surely within a few miles, his legs are going to do this again and he's going to be done. Well, fast forward a few hours. Uh, I'm at the finish line and I, I'm cheering on some trot out athletes as they are crossing the finish line. And lo and behold, who do I see doing the Ironman shuffle down the red carpet, crossing the finish line with both hands over his head, in celebration. It was that guy who had fought off cramps hours earlier. Um, so he, he had probably run another eight, nine, 10 miles with, uh, you know, after that moment that he cramped and he, he got it done. He made it to the finish line. He either became an Ironman or he became an Ironman again, uh, depending on how many times he's done a race like that. And, and it just, it just struck me, you know, you, you never know when something goes wrong early in a race, um, whether or not you're going to be able to battle back from it. But um, as all of you, our listeners, head into your next race, whether it's a sprint, whether it's an Olympic, whether it's a half or a full, uh, whatever distance you're racing, just know that whatever 
goes wrong whenever your body tries to revolt against you, whenever uh, you're feeling like you might not finish or might not finish as fast as you wanted, just know that you can hang in there uh, and, and stick it out uh, just like that guy did. And you never know, you, you just might reach a finish line. And, and if you're a spectator, the next time you're spectating a race, uh, be prepared because you can be just that, that, that saving angel who steps in in a moment and helps somebody make their own finish line. That's it for today, folks. I want to thank Tridot Ambassadors Meg Dorito, Jonathan Haynes, and Kurt Yanish for sharing their stories from Ironman Texas. Shout out to Precision Fuel and Hydration for partnering with us on today's episode. Head to precisionfuelandhydration.com to book a call with one of their sweat experts to form your own race day hydration strategy. If you want to give Precision Fuel and Hydration products a try, you can use coupon code TRIDOT10 for 10% off your order. The next time you travel for a race, head to trybytransport.com and use the code TRIDOT22 to save on your booking. Enjoying the show? Have any questions you'd like to hear us talk about? Head to trydot.com slash podcast and let us know what you're thinking. We'll have a new show coming your way soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training.